a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com. Rocky Mountain ATVMC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping. It's easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for all of us out there. Thank you for coming back, RockyMountainATVMC.com. Thank you, all of you. Thank you, all of you, for going shopping there and supporting Kiefer Tested, keeping this podcast running. Thank you, Fly Racing, for supporting this as well, and Race Tech. If you guys want some gear, you know where to go. Fly Racing, FlyRacing.com, Light Hydrogen, Kinetic, I don't think it's time for Kinetic yet. It's still cold. So Evo or Light Hydrogen is really, really, really good gear and the correct way to go for January. That's my two cents. I've been wearing it. I approve. And uh, don't be worried about reliability because they're durable. I wear the crap out of it. And I have zero problems Um with the pant and the jersey. And honestly, the glove is probably the most comfortable glove. Top three. I'll give it a top three. Top three glove um, that I wear. If I could mix match some gear, which I won't, I would wear fly gloves. So thank you, Fly Racing. Thank you, flyracing.com. Also, Race Tech. You know I've been raving about the Honda stuff for a while. Um, I'm going to do some more things with them. I just got a Grom from Christmas, everybody. So I'm going to do some Race Tech kit. They have a kit, I guess. I just was told. Um, I'm going to do a test on some Grom stuff. That'll be fun. I'm going to go Gromming around the high des. So if you see a guy in an open face helmet, bullet head on a Grom, six foot tall, 170 pounds, don't run him over. It's me. So thank you guys. Thank you, Race Tech. Racetech Gold Valves provide a plush feel with drastically improved bottoming resistance and increased traction. Racetech products and services are 100% guaranteed and made in the good old USA. Discover why when racers can choose, they choose Racetech. Experience the Gold Valve advantage by going to Racetech.com. Thank you guys. Once again, we are back. January 3rd. You guys are probably dragging ass from the holidays. Grandma and Grandpa left. The in-laws left. You got a bunch of old fudge, chocolate chip cookies, and a bunch of shit laying around the house. Maybe you haven't took the tree down yet. But if you are, listen to this podcast, because this is about living with the green machine. 2018 KX250F. I've been riding another another color, which was white. You guys know the Husky. I've been riding that lately. 
But also, I've been putting a lot of time in on the KX250F. I've been switching back and forth with my good buddy and test rider, Big Air Todd. You guys know him from the Shootout Podcast. Electric diesel power. Big Air Todd. So, he's been helping me put some time on this bike. We are up to 32 hours only reason why I'm hitting this a little early because I've been getting a ton of emails about this bike and things that I have done to it, um, some settings. So I'm going to do this podcast because I figure, hey, why not? It's 32 hours. I know some things that I have learned. Um, I found out some things that I've learned, sorry, um, on this machine. So I want to relay that back to you guys. I've done a couple mods. Not a lot of stuff has been done to this bike. I plan on doing more after the 50 hour mark. I wanted really to leave the stock suspension on here to see how it breaks down, um, to see if I can kind of fine tune it. So I found a couple things um, about this bike that I did to help the chassis and help the whole feel of the bike on rough tracks. So we're gonna relay that to you guys here. But I just kind of wanted to leave it stock-ish for right now. And uh, because I've had so many other bikes that have a lot of stuff done to them. And I know you guys out there spend the money and don't want to mod the crap out of it right now and dump another grand or two into it. So um, nonetheless, we will do some mods for you guys out there that will like to do that stuff. But right now, I really just want to get to you on some settings, how the bike's been, and uh, things that I've felt on the bike, and Big Air Todd as well. So he's not here. Um, but I plan on to do some um, more podcasts with a couple guys um, this year in 2018. Uh, i got a studio that's being built right now. going to have a couple more mics. going to do some guests. Try to expand this sucker a little bit and do bigger and better things here at Kiefer Tested. So, so stay tuned. So thanks for bearing with me. So I've, I think I've put about 20 hours on this KX250F. Big Air is maybe about 12. So when we logged all of our hours in, that's basically uh, basically how it, um, it split up. But right away, going back from the 2017 version versus this 2018 bike, I like this 2018 bike much better. I wasn't a big fan of the 17 version just because... Obviously, the fork, which is still kind of a problem this year as well. But the engine didn't have a lot of pulling power. They did a lot of work to the engine in 2018. If you guys want to see what they did, and if you're interested in the differences between the 2017 and the 18, you can go to keyfringtesting.com. I break it down over there. Or you can go to pulpamex.com, and I broke it down over there for Steve. So um, you can hit either one of those up. But I do like this engine character now because it actually has some pulling power. And I would like a little bit more from mid to top. So I did a map, which you guys can email me if you guys want this map. I already have a couple people that have tried it. Um, listeners, I should say, that have tried it and really like it. So it made a huge difference for me in the engine engine department on this bike over the course of 20 hours. So you can hit me up at chris at keyforinktesting.com. I will send you over a snapshot of the calibration tool that we use because Kawasaki sells their own. It's not as easy as the Yamaha Power Tuner and or the app for that matter. But you guys out there that own Kawasaki's can get this calibration tool and adjust your mapping too. So 
It just takes a little bit more work. It's fairly easy to use once you get it. And I'm going to put up a little video um, up on my site too, how to use it. So be on the lookout for that if you guys are uh, confused on, on how to use this sucker. So the map that I tried on this 2018 gave it even more bottom end and actually increased the mid-range to top-end pulling power, which is where I wanted it. The bike stock is snappy off the bottom. It's really good out of the corner. Um, RPM response is good. People say, hey, go to the lean coupler. I did go to the lean coupler. Um, it does have some D-cell pop with the standard coupler. I've said this before. You went to the lean coupler, and this same thing for the 450. It kind of helps the D-cell pop which is the opposite of what it should do, but it does help lessen the D-cell pop going to the lean coupler. Now, when you do, or if you choose to go to this map that I have, that I put into this bike, I went back to the standard coupler because it ran better with the standard green coupler with this new map. If you guys don't have the map, go to the lean coupler because you'll get a little bit of extra bottom in um, and some pulling power out of out of the corners. So, what this new map did gave me a little bit more meat, um, made the bike more usable in third gear. So, the biggest change for me is that map. And that, if you guys are looking for more power, and if you run soft loamy tracks and you need some more of that, hit me up. I'll get you this map, and it's really uh, it's life changing actually on this bike. I didn't. First day of shootout, I was like, yeah, it's a good bike. It's better than 17. And then I tried this map on the second day, and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe how much better this bike is with this map. So the R&D technicians over there, Travis and Borky, they come up with these maps, and they're available for you guys, or they're available through us, media guys, to uh, give to you. And hopefully, um, if you guys do... Um, read other media outlets. They're they're telling you about this stuff, but um, if you don't know about it, hit me up, Chris at KeyFringTesting.com. I'll get I'll get the map to you. I've went through only one clutch, surprisingly, on this bike. Well, I should say two clutches. So they put a new clutch in at the ten hour mark um, before shootouts, and then we went through one more clutch around the twenty five hour mark. So from ten hours to fifteen hours. To me, as, as for me, 250F buyer, if I can get 15 hours out of a clutch and you're an intermediate to a pro rider, that is very, very good. A lot of guys, I have buddies that are novice guys, they don't go through clutches at all. They go through maybe one every 40 hours on this bike. So um, for me to, to have a clutch that lasts 15 hours is very good. You guys out there that worry about oil, I don't use synthetic oil i just use straight up petroleum based oil it's up to you what kind of oil you use i also get emails about what oil to use i use maxima premium 1040 i have used rotella i have used all different kinds of oils i haven't really found an oil that sucks that much but i do know maxima premium 1040 always works well for me so that's what i've been sticking with for the past few years um, so just find an oil that's consistent for you, you know, preferably not a synthetic. Um, people are like, oh, what about semi-synthetic? I don't even 
mess with semi-synthetic. Clutch life for me is important. I like just a straight petroleum blend. I'm not worried about horsepower and all that. Um, I just want a longer life out of my engine. So petroleum is, uh, to me, the the best oil I can use for uh, for duration of engine life. Now, I did mess with some mufflers on this bike. So I had an FMF and a Pro Circuit on this 2018 version. I have messed with a Dubok and a Akropovich. So if you guys are wondering how to say that, it's Akropovich, not Akropovic. Um, but on the 2018, I tried an FMF 4.1. I tried a PC Pro 6. And depending where you want your power, me, I want a little bit more pulling power. And uh, out of this engine at the time, I preferred the FMF. It gave me a little bit... I shouldn't say a little bit. It gave me the same amount of stock hit and engine bottom-end pulling power out of corners and gave me more mid-range pull. Now, the Pro Circuit tamed down the bottom-end just a little bit and gave me more mid-to-top. Tracks like Milestone and Paris and things like I like those tracks that I have ridden with the KX, I prefer the FMF pipe. But I've been to Mumford's, which is sandy um, on top and hard packed underneath. Um, I like the Pro Circuit. It just kind of mellowed the bottom out too much. So if I was rolling a corner in second gear, I just wanted a little bit more hit. Um, the Pro Circuit wasn't that great there. But if you go to that map that I suggested, that Pro Circuit was pretty good at those flowier type faster tracks. So for those of you out there wondering what muffler to buy, those are the only two that I have tried right now. Last year's bike, the Kropovich was was decent. It was more like the PC, kind of mellow off the bottom, more mid to top. The Dubok actually gave the bike more bottom end and uh, not as much mid to top. So when you guys go buy a muffler, figure out where you want the power. Very rarely are you going to get a muffler nowadays because the sound requirements and all the things that FI has done to these motorcycles. You're not going to get a drastically, a huge amount of newfound power when you put a muffler on. You're just going to, you know, basically shape shift your, your curve. For me, like I said, I like low-end feel. I want that snap and pulling out of a corner. So I look for a muffler that at least keeps the same amount of stock power down low and gives me more mid-range. So just know what kind of rider you are. If you're a rever, get a top-end type of pipe. If you're more of a lugging type of rider, you might be like me. You want to get a more bottom-to-mid type of power. So both of those mufflers are pretty good. The FMF has been on um, the bike more. Tabs are good. Um, muffler packing's been good so far. Pro Circuit's always really good about muffler packing. If there is one thing good inside about a Pro Circuit muffler is the packing. It lasts a long time. FMF seems to blow out a little bit sooner. Uh, maybe the shape of the can, I don't know. Um, but maximum time I can get on that muffler for me is 10 hours. Um, we've talked about this before on other podcasts. Um, but if you guys are going to a muffler, you guys can get them refurbed, send them over Pro Circuit, FMF. It's a small fee. They'll shine up the pipe for you, 
repack it and do all that stuff. I recommend that. Um, if you guys are looking to do that, and you don't want to do that at home. It's not that hard to repack it at home. They sell repacking kits. You can do them at home and um, get it all dialed in. Hey, commercial time. Thanks for listening. You guys want a comfortable shirt to go the track or even a hoodie? You're cold. You want your chick to look cool? Get some hats, shirts, hoodies. Be a moto fan. Be an off-road fan. Go check out ruttedracing.com or, if you guys are on Instagram, at ruttedracing. Clint and April make very, very comfortable shirts, hats, hoodies. They're helping out the bear for Supercross. That's right. Rutted Racing is helping out Tyler Bowers. They put money back into our sport, guys. So let's buy some stuff. They're helping us out. They're helping the Supercross riders out of the world. Let's go there and buy some stuff at Rutted Racing or ruttedracing.com. Right now, it's 40 degrees in the high des. I'm wearing a Rutted Racing hoodie, and it's badass. So go check them out. Thanks, guys. Also, don't forget, you know what's coming after Rutted Racing? ScreenPrintingDone.com. You know what's cool? Free stuff. You know that? Order 12 tees, get 10 free t-shirts. When you order 12, buy a dozen, get 10. ScreenPrintingDone.com. They produce t-shirts, hoodies, hats, everything. You need t-shirts for your employees? Do you need t-shirts for your track? Or maybe a party you're having. You're having an Anaheim One party? Make us some t-shirts. Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. You know who else goes to ScreenPrintingDone.com? The Seven Deuce Deuce. I feel like he took ScreenPrintingDone.com from me. But nonetheless, he knows where to go, right? If it's good enough for him... It's good enough for me. That's where I get all my Kiefer Inc. testing shirts. Go over there. Check them out. Mention Kiefer. When you order 12, get 10 for free. Later. Um, suspension for me, like I said, I've been running stock stuff. I run 105 millimeters of sag. Stock height on the fork. I find the shock is a little bit soft for me. Overall, high-speed compression on the shock is decent. It do, I complain a lot about empty feelings on shocks. This doesn't have that feel for me after I've been riding a little bit. I just want a little bit more um, mid-stroke damping feel. So I go too stiffer on the low speed on the shock. I keep the high speed anywhere between stock to a quarter turn stiffer. Like I said, I'm 170 pounds. Big Air Todd is 150, and his notes say he leaves his high-speed compression stock and goes plus 2 on low speed, and he went minus 2 on rebound. So that's the same thing I do on the shock as I go minus 2 on the rebound and slow it down. So um, that's a preference thing, but I have messed with SAG on this bike over the course of the time, and... I've tried 102, so if you guys are going to tighter type tracks, maybe wintertime now, you guys are doing some arena cross stuff, um, indoor type of riding, go to 102 millimeters of sag. You guys are opening back up, going some outdoor tracks, get back down to 105. So this bike is super finicky that I have found with sag setting. There's a few bikes this year that are finicky with sag, and the KX250F is one of them. So find, like I said, play with it you know tighter tracks 102 faster flower tracks 105 
And please, guys, check your SAG. I've been at the track quite a bit lately, and guys come up to me and talk to me about suspension, and I ask them, well, where's your SAG at? And they're like, man, I don't know. Dude, that is the number one thing you need to look at when you get a bike or any bike. You buy a used bike, you buy a new bike, check your SAG. It's not that hard. They got scales now that you can do on your own. You don't need your chick or anything. Or just go get the a no lean stick or, or whatever. There's all kinds of SAG tools. If you don't have a measuring tape, old school, whatever you got, just check it and make sure it's in the right um, spec. Please, that is important. Also, uh, rider SAG or static SAG. Um, I all when we test OEM stuff, um, production testing. We always go with rider SAG. A lot of guys say, "Oh, I just te- I just check static." I I don't know enough about static SAG to tell you that is all you should do. I just know what I've been doing with OEMs for the past 15 years when I've been testing, and every single one of them have gone off of rider sag. You sitting on the bike with your gear, make sure you put your gear on, and also make sure, excuse me, that's my phone, also make sure that you have your helmet on and all that stuff, so it's not like you guys ride naked or ride with your street clothes. Put the, you know, put your gear on. Check the sag. That's it. All right, my ran over. So, anyway, um, so keep the sag around there. The fork we've messed with preload. Oh gosh, so much to try to help this fork out. So the problem with this fork is it feels a little bit harsh, deflecty. Um, so it's deflecty on light bump on acceleration where you're just hitting the tops of some square edge or. You're coming out of a corner. I just feel like it always wants to hunt and peck. And I think that's the nature of the SFF fork. Um, I've also experienced it pulling to one side. Is that uh, the case of having you know a single function fork? I don't know. That's the only thing I, I can come up with. It's not a drastic feeling where you know, you're on decel and it pulls to one side. But on acceleration, I do feel it favor, to me, one side. So um, just be on the lookout for that kind of feeling. And how I I remedied this, or I should say Band-Aid, because it's really not a remedy, um, I tried going one stiffer on a preload, which helps, and I backed off the compression um, two clicks. That's for me. Big Air Todd, 150 pounds, he left the preload alone and went stiffer, on the compression he went too stiffer so i go preload a little bit up back the compression out i seem to get a little bit more comfort and less deflection on acceleration and we both agreed that we slowed the fork down two clicks he likes that and i also do too just to note we don't really share these notes until he returns the bike to me and then we me and him go back and forth and compare um my my notes to his i give him a bible what i call you know a bike bible he fills all that information out um we get together i get my bike bible and we compare notes so reading his his is the same thing as far as um um, rebound but just know that if you're going up in weight on this bike you will have to stiffen up the preload a little bit and maybe back off your compression so is it the best fork out there? Negative. 
Is it better than an SFF air fork? Yes. Not huge. Just a little bit. If you trap me on a desert island with this bike, or I should say this bike and two sets of forks and said, hey, gun to my head, what fork are you going to use? An, F, an SFF Air or an SFF? Dude, that's tough, but I'm going to stick with one spring. Hopefully, Kawasaki, if you're listening to this, hopefully next year you're putting two springs in that bitch. I'm going to get a normal, hopefully, 49mm Showa spring fork. And this bike is going to change for the better. Frame is insane. Frame, bump absorption, all good. Just needs help in that front end. So that's what I've been band-aiding with. Write that down. Um, at the 50-hour mark, I will get back to you guys. I'm going to get a revalve on this. I don't know who I'm going to yet. It'll be a surprise. But actually, I have a couple sets of suspension that I'm going to put on this bike. You know, identical suspension, but different companies for revalve. And I'll hit you guys back up with uh, who's better and what um, I felt and how much comfort I'm gaining and performance and so on and so forth. So um, stay tuned for that. After about uh, 18 more hours, we'll do another podcast, a 50-hour living with podcast, and we'll, we'll hit you back up with some knowledge. Tires, um, I've been going to MX3S tires. I do not like MX52s. You guys know this if you listen to this podcast. I haven't tried any Michelins on here. I have tried Bridgestone X20s. I took them off immediately. I did not like the X20 front. Um, X20 rear is decent if you're going to mix match, which is okay for me on a, on a tire on tires. Um, MX3S front X20 rear is not bad. I could live the X20. Um, I would rather see if you guys are going to Bridgestones four three four four. That's that's a good that's a better tire than to me an X20. So MX3S's is what I've been putting on, but I have put a 110 rear um, t- size tire on the bike. They come stock with 100s. I think it's a little bit too narrow. This bike has enough power to pull that 110. I don't know why they don't do it. And for production, I don't know if it's a cost thing. Um, I need to ask next time I go testing. But I also think they only use a size 100 tire because of weight. There is a weight difference between a 110 and a 100, but I think I get better side grip, um, acceleration out of corners. I feel a little bit more connection. I don't spin as much. So for those of you guys who have this bike, go to a 110 rear tire, whatever tire you get, and you'll notice a little bit more contact patch, and you'll get some more traction. So... Um, that's what I would go to, 110. Um, running VP T4E, but I got some bad news for you guys. VP is going to discontinue T4E. Sad. I'm bummed out. I thought they were going to do the T4E blend and just rebrand it for T4 and just name it T4 because of the E. Um, everyone's tripping out because, ooh, it's E. It's E. It must be ethanol. It's not ethanol. Um, that was VP's marketing bad, I would assume. Whoever said E on on the end of that four, that, that wasn't a good choice. But I guess they're going to go back to just a standard T4 blend that's out right now. So that's what we're stuck with. It is a better fuel. I, I still felt the T4E was better than the T4. But nonetheless, 
I've been running uh, VP T4E and T4 in this bike, and you will get some more throttle response and some more bottom end. And also, it you can leave this fuel in your tank. It doesn't corrode. It doesn't eat up your seals like U4.4 does. Guys, U4.4, not good. Not good for fuel pumps. Not good for seals if you're leaving it in there. That's the kind of fuel that you need to drain constantly. I'm not in the mood to come home and drain my tank. So it is safe to leave the T4 inside your tank. Don't stress on it. Um, I do notice I have gone through... Well, I haven't gone through. I just ate up the side of the seat cover. The seat cover on this Kawasaki doesn't last very long. I don't use abrasive knee braces. I use CTIs that have um, covers over the hinges. I've never had problems with seats ripping on other bikes, but for some reason the Kawasaki must be thin in that area, and the seat cover is um, getting holes in them. So um, do yourself a favor, get a different cover, Maybe one with a little bit more grip because I don't have a, that much grip on the seat cover. Chain guides, as you guys know, I've gone through two sets of chain guides and sliders. Do yourself a favor. Go to TM Design Works. Yes, they are louder. You will hear the chain move more when you're riding or just you know pushing the bike around the pits. But they will last. Literally, I, and this ain't no joke. Literally, five hours, gone. Slider smoked chain guide smoked done i don't know what they're using for this plastic you know these injected molded plastic whatever it is it's no good it's the worst out of all the bikes so kawasaki if you're listening um you need to step it up a little bit in the chain slide and glide program because it is no bueno do i like the stock stuff as far as sound yes so do I want to spend money every five to eight hours on chain sliders and guides? No. So TM Design Works, look them up. I don't know the website offhand. I've used them when I was at Dirt Rider. Um, like I said, they are louder, but they last a long time. Um, I did. Now, if you guys are into spending some money, there's one thing I did try that I've used for about a couple weeks. I borrowed a Vortex Ignition for this bike. And if you guys are looking for more power and you're serious and you're racing, this is where it's at. Put a muffler on this thing, put a Vortex ignition on it, leave it alone right now. I'm telling you, I can race this bike locally and do just fine on it um, with this Vortex ignition. It really, really wakes up the bottom end and rev. you can rev this thing so far. It, I think it cuts it off another 1,000 RPM higher with this ignition. I don't know that for a fact. It might be 800 RPM. Um, but it feels like a lot when I'm riding it, man. Like, I don't have to shift coming out of a corner in second gear. And I can leave it in second and rev the shit out of it. And third gear, I can pull, lug it a little bit better because I have more meat. Um, this Vortex igni this vortex Ignition is really like magic and waking up this engine feeling. So if you're a vet guy... This is where I think this, this ignition would be good. If you're a vet dude and you like a 250F and you have to race against 450s, an ignition is a great buy for a vet guy because it gives you more power. It lets you be lazier because you can rev the bike farther. And it just makes sense to me. Like this would be a great vet purchase. Um, 
you bolt it on. It's easy to do. You don't have to mess with it. It doesn't, for me, I have 32 hours on this thing and I borrowed it. So I, I, I didn't, I guess I should have looked. I don't know how many hours I put on the bike with this ignition. But yeah, you might hurt reliability a little bit. But if you're rebuilding your 250Fs, I don't think, you know, adding 800 to 1,000 RPM is going to hurt it that much. I've ran Vortex ignitions on Yamahas for a very long time on 250Fs without any hiccups or detrimental failures um, to the engine. So if you're looking for more power, you want this bike to rev out farther, which it needs, I think it needs, look at the Vortex stuff. They make good ignition products. These are the things that I look at if I'm a 250F guy to get more power. It's easy. It's a bolt-on thing. I think it's 600, 600 bucks. Not cheap. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. But if you're looking for more um, out of your Kawasaki, this is one of the first few pieces that I would buy as far as engine performance. Maybe I wouldn't even buy a piston right now. I would just go to an ignition and see how see if you like it. So that way you're using stock piston, stock cam, you know, durability, it's designed. All that stuff is designed, um, you know, it's, it's a stock stuff, OEM. Like I say, stock is best, stock is best. Um, I have to agree with them sometimes um, with that motto. But in the ignition category, um, coming from an OEM testing background, I know there's more that they can get out of ignition mapping, but they don't do it for durability reasons. And the durability reasons could be, let's say an OEM has 100 hours of, of criteria. You have to be at 100 hours with all this stuff, and it can't have any failures and if it has a failure at 98, it's a, it's it. You got to do something different. And sometimes they cut back an engine mapping to make it last longer for OEM bikes. So if I'm getting 10 hours less out of that 100 hour criteria mark with this ignition, I'm all in because I'm getting more power. I'll just rebuild the bike, especially if you're on a 250F. You already know that you're gonna have to rebuild this thing, um, you know, sooner than a 450. So kind of rambling on about this ignition but i do like it a lot it's one thing it's one of the things i do believe in for 250fs is um this vortex ignition so look into that for you vet guys um basically gearing stock i left that stock um big air todd went the jody weisel route and went one tooth up i don't really care for that it kind of shortened it up i couldn't use second gear as much and uh, I still like to use second gear on this bike, so I just left stock gearing. Um, everything else, I went through two chains, um, a couple sets of sprockets, um, one set of plastic. The plastic looks pretty broke down on the Kawasaki. You know, soon I haven't tried. Uh, I haven't put on the new plastic yet, but it does break down. It looks kind of crappy after about 20 hours. So just know that. Um, otherwise, the bike's been great. Stock handlebars, seven eighths. You know that. Um, Renthal bar, it's a 971 bend. Um, I don't mind it as, I don't mind this 971 bend on the Kawasaki. Um, 971 bend on the Honda feels high, it doesn't on the Cowie. Works connection, I got a clutch um, lever and a perch assembly. Um, one of the things I recommend as well, makes your clutch feel a little bit better, um, smoother action. Um, engagement stays the same as stock. Never have any problems doing starts. Um, so take a look at that. But basically, that's about all I've done to this bike. You know, 
and uh, just kept up on the oil and the oil filter and the air filter changes. And um, I even left all the backfire screen and all that in there. So um, just just take care of this bike and it'll take care of you. People say Kawasaki's aren't reliable. I disagree. I think that's kind of changed over the years on this 250F at least. Um, I'll be doing more on the 450F soon. We're gaining the hours on that. I think we're up to 20-some hours on the 450F. So look for a, a Living With podcast on the 450F soon. But uh, for those of you KX250F owners out there, it's a great bike. 2018 um, is one of my favorite bikes to ride in the shootout. Um, I would say on rough tracks and things that I would uh, want to get out of a corner you know, quicker, I think it's a little bit better than the KTM. The air fork on the KTM is was decent, had a little bit more comfort, but not as much pull down low. The Kawasaki felt snappy. Kawasaki feels very light. And that's right. When I can corner this bike very good, I can corner this Kawasaki better than the KTM. So, um, and same goes with the 450. The 450 feels light as well. So, uh, people think, ah, oh, Kawasaki's are heavy. They're not. They've done a lot of work to drop the weight, and um, you can feel that when you ride it. So, basically, that's the Living With podcast you guys have been asking for. I've been getting a lot of emails about Kawasaki stuff. There will be more coming up. Don't forget, at the 50-hour mark, we will put um, suspension on this thing, maybe some clamps, maybe get that ignition back and run that ignition more and see uh talk about the fuel trim and all that stuff even more but uh thanks for listening hope you guys had a good holiday like i said if you guys have any questions about this stuff hit me up at chris at keyforinktesting.com i can answer any questions that you have that i do know if i don't know them i will tell you i don't know i'm sorry to disappoint you um i don't know everything i'm not going to blow smoke up your ass um and tell you something i do not know so thanks for listening Support the sponsors here so we keep the sucker running up in 2018. Look for more stuff coming to your ears very soon. See y'all.